Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast dedicated to counterthoughts about mainstream media, politics, and culture, and the impact on our nation. You can engage with us on Instagram at counter underscore thought, on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast, on Twitter at counter underscore podcast, and on our website, www.counterthought.captivate.fm. Let's go. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Counterthought. In this episode, we'll be talking about the adult mental health epidemic. And we have a special guest, Dave Scott, with Shade Tree Christian Counseling. Now, this is the second part of the three-part mini-series regarding mental health. Part one was the mental health of teenagers, and we dipped a little bit uh, younger in age, so you could say children, but focus primarily on teenagers. And now we are here with part two, which is the adult mental health epidemic. And we have a fantastic guest again, Dave Scott of Shade Tree Christian Counseling. The interview will get started here in a, in a few minutes, but there are a couple of things I want to uh, touch on at the top. Actually, before I get into those things at the top of the episode, um, just to kind of set the table with the interview for Dave. Uh, again, this is a three-part mini-series focused on mental health. Part three is going to feature an interview with Mallory Garshenik. She has a daily dose of positivity that she does through her Instagram account. Please go find her. It's at Mallory Garshenik. But super excited about that upcoming part three of this mini-series. So please come in and, and check out that episode. It's going to be episode 32. This is episode 31. Episode 29 is part one, the teenage mental health. Episode 31, this one is adult mental health. And episode 32 is going to be part three, which is all about a positive mindset. But let's focus on mental health. So mental health, like teenage mental health, I believe is an epidemic in this country. If you look at the United States, there are things going on here regarding mental health that aren't going on in other countries that are just as developed as us. And that's probably another episode for another time. We're not going to really dig into why that is. We're just going to focus on the mental health here in America for this episode affecting adults. Did you know that anxiety rises in the face of uncertainty? And man, have we come from, come from some uncertain times. Starting in March of 2020 with the lockdowns for the pandemic, that was something none of us, or maybe just a handful, had ever experienced. You had to go back 100 years to the Spanish flu. So if anyone alive today experienced the Spanish flu, they would be 100 years old today, at least. So that was like the definition of uncertain times. And that started in March of 2020. We all know the story. And here we are in December of 2021, a full 21 months since the shutdowns and the lockdowns began. But that really elevated the anxiety and the stress in adults in America. In 2020 alone, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, 53% of American adults said that their mental health has suffered 
because of the pandemic. 53%. Now, based on the last census, I believe there are about 260 million adults in America. So 53% based on that survey, 53% of 260 million, or if we just want to be conservative and keep it with some easier numbers, 250. 50% of 250 is 125 million American adults that say that their mental health has suffered since the start of the pandemic. Also, in 2020, according to OptumRx, which is a pharmacy benefit manager, um, you may have them, you may notice them on your insurance card. But in 2020 alone, antidepressant prescriptions increased 14% after the initial pandemic outbreak. 14%. And in 2020, 50, this is according to the National Council for Behavioral Health, but also in 2020, 54% of behavioral health programs closed those programs because of the pandemic. And 65% had to reschedule or turn away patients. So in 2020, based on that Kaiser Family Foundation, you had 53% of American adults that said their mental health had suffered. And then add on top of that, 54% of the behavioral health programs that are available to help people in their time of need closed their programs. And if they didn't close their programs, then 65% of these behavioral health programs had to reschedule their patients, which is delaying the care that these individuals need, or turn them away completely. Which means, again, these people are not getting the help they need. And we're talking about we're talking about over 125 million American adults that potentially needed help. And if they weren't receiving help, they needed help, whether they reached out for it or not. And I do think that is an issue here in America. Not only are there not enough mental health professionals, whether that is a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a counselor, a life coach, not only are there enough of them to deal with all of the mental health issues like the anxiety, the stress, and other disorders um, or episodes that take place daily within these hundreds of millions of American adults, but as we see here, the pandemic had a detrimental effect on the availability of the resources that were, at one point before the pandemic, available. So to me, it's like a head-on collision. You have in one car driving down the highway on the wrong side of the road, you don't have enough resources. And then in the other car driving on the same side of the highway, you have this massive group of American adults that need help. And in this head-on collision is the mental health epidemic of America. Now, the CDC, for all it's worth, does have some great resources. I know the CDC, uh, in some circles, myself included, lost some credibility throughout the pandemic. But, and that undercuts, I should say, that undercuts the resources that they do have that don't have any kind of uh, politics related to them. 
but taking the CDC at <clears throat> giving the CDC the benefit of the doubt, I want to list these methods that they have on their website for quote coping with stress. The CDC recommends these ways to cope with stress and tell me if you notice anything about these related to the pandemic. So the CDC says that in order to cope with stress, you could take breaks from watching, reading, or listening to news stories. The CDC also says that you can take care of your body mentally, spiritually, and physically. Also, you can make time to unwind, to de-stress, to relax. Or another way you can cope with stress is to connect with others. And then finally, as one of these coping mechanisms for stress, the CDC recommends to connect with your community or the community within your faith-based organization, like your church or your temple or mosque or wherever you, whatever religion you practice. But did you notice anything about those coping mechanisms related to the pandemic? They were all taken away or hampered. So the recommendation to take breaks from watching, reading, or listening to the news stories, well, where do we get our information going on regarding the pandemic? From the news, right? One form of media or another to figure out what was going on with the pandemic, we had to watch the news. To take care of our body, mentally, physically, spiritually, take care of our body, let's say from a mental standpoint, I mean, from a physical standpoint, gyms closed. So then you had to figure out a way to work out at home, which isn't ideal and is a struggle uh, for some more than most or for most more than some. Making time to unwind. How are we going to have time to unwind when our lives were turned upside down? If you're used to your children being at school for six hours a day and now they're at home, where is that relaxation time that maybe you had carved out in the time your kids were at school? If you were used to going out with friends for maybe an hour, let's say in happy hour or talking on or doing something like that after work, those places closed down. Restaurants, bars, all closed down for a certain for a certain extent of time during the pandemic. And I know that differs based on where you live also. But again, they were taken away or hampered in some way. And then connecting with others. We were told to social distance. And really, you should say it's physically distance because you can be social in outside of being face-to-face. But anyway, we were told to physically distance at least six feet or more. And that makes it a little bit more difficult to connect with others. In addition, we were told when it comes to connecting with your community or your faith-based organization community, churches were closed. And there were lawsuits going with the about the whole churches being closed. So we were told to physically distance. We were told not to see individuals for a certain length of time. Remember, two weeks to slow the spread. And that turned into much more than that. But all of these coping mechanisms listed by the CDC were impacted in some way by the pandemic, and I believe has resulted in the increase, as I just went through those percentages, 
of anxiety and mental health suffering and antidepressants and behavioral health programs not being available for those who need help. So like I said, a head-on collision and in the middle or created from this head-on collision is the epidemic of adult mental health in America. Now, switching gears, it is time for the interview. It is my great pleasure to bring on Dave Scott. Dave Scott is the leader of Shade Tree Christian Counseling, and he is going to join us here in the next few seconds to talk about not only adult mental health, such as things that are going on, but also ways for us to have additional coping mechanisms in addition to what the CDC listed here and coping mechanisms that could stand the test of things that we experienced during the pandemic, lockdowns, uh, various shutdowns or distancing and so on and so forth. So it is with great pleasure to bring on Dave Scott, the leader of Shade Tree Christian Counseling. Dave, welcome to the podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here. Please take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit initially about your counseling background and what you are doing today through Shade Tree Christian Counseling. Well, well, thanks, Brian. And first of all, just thank you for having me on here. And to your listeners, this is a phenomenal podcast. So please subscribe and like and do all those things and share. So Shade Tree Christian Counseling is um, God's idea for getting in front of families and, and to invest in them. So back about 20 years ago, I was teaching and I was uh, really uh, experiencing some challenging situations in the classroom where students were they weren't performing very well. And I was um, observing that they had really, really difficult family lives. They had a lot of challenges going on. And uh, as a teacher, you do everything you can in the classroom, but then the kids would be coming in with stories about different things. And I began to formulate a theory that I believe these kids are struggling because they have a very, very turbulent life outside of school. So I said, God, what is my role to be part of the solution of this? How can I become an agent of reconciliation? And long story short, I decided with God leading to become a counselor. Um, I, I wanted to get in front of these families and I wanted to begin to invest in moms and dads and uh, caregivers and, and whomever God would bring to me because I believe that there, was, um, there were some things that were, were causing people to not be able to be at their best. And so God tapped me on the shoulder, and so I decided to go to school, get my my credentials for counseling, and uh, so I have been since 2004. I've been a Christian counselor, investing in folks and um, doing exactly what God wanted me to do: get in front of them and to to begin to invest and to to build into families and to do that. And as a pastoral counselor, I'm a, I'm a Christian counselor, so I'm able to. Um, pray for folks, encourage them, and, and, and love on them in that regard as well. So it's really pretty cool. Awesome. Thank you. So my first question diving into this topic, I know, Dave, when we spoke <clears throat> prior to this interview, you know, like our introductory phone call to get familiar with one another and everything, which I thoroughly enjoyed, um, you spoke about how you believe the American society has been dealing with mental health well before the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so can you please elaborate 
on that, what your thoughts are regarding mental health pre-pandemic and then also what you have seen and noticed during the pandemic? Yeah, so that that question is a great question. I I really believe that um, COVID has obviously, the pandemic has impacted us tremendously. The statistics bear that out. I know one of your previous podcasts, you were talking about the 50-page report from the Surgeon General, and there's uh, a ton of information that we're getting about that. But I'm, I'm of the thought that we have been struggling since the beginning of time. I really believe that uh, we, we have had struggle, but we're becoming so, so much more aware of it now. And that is um, bearing out through our statistics. But when I, when I think back to the fact that, that I believe that as a follower of Jesus, that we are created, and I want to start with that, Meaning that that when I, when we are in our mother's womb, God knew us and gave us spiritual genetics, and those spiritual genetics are significant. In fact, David in the book of Psalms says, uh, "You knit me together in my mother's womb. For you fearfully and I am fearfully and wonderfully made." Well, that's important because that means if I have spiritual genetics, that means God knew me and God has implanted inside of me His unique makeup and given me an identity. And I believe that in the core of our being, we're born already with that spiritual genetic. And I think that what happens is through life, we, we unpack that. Well, since the beginning of time, even Adam and Eve in the garden had those same spiritual genetics, yet they were ashamed and they were afraid and they had things enter into the garden that created death. Well, since then, we've also been experiencing the effects of that. I, I think back to Elijah after the tremendous victory on Mount Carmel in, in the, the, the events, I, I encourage your listeners to Google Elijah and Mount Carmel. And there's a phenomenal biblical story that takes place there where God shows up in a huge victorious way. But just a few sentences later, Elijah is running for his life afraid. And I believe he goes into a state of depression where he's, he's fearing for his life and wondering if it all is, is, is meaning it has any meaning and purpose. You can look no further than Solomon and then even Jesus sweating blood in the garden. I believe what this speaks to is throughout history, biblical history, even we've had people that have struggled and we've struggled with our inside and our outside. Jesus, however, being perfect in that struggle is our example. And he's the one that we can relate to that has felt everything we have felt and experienced everything we have felt. And I believe that there's this notion that we have as people that it was better back then. And so when we think about that, it's kind of like, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to go play in the woods and I could leave my door unlocked and, you know, the kids wouldn't come home till evening. And it was better back then. Well, was it better back then? I just think that we just didn't know as much about what was really going on back then as we know now. And what we have now is an information inundation of epic proportions, which I don't think the human mind and body is built for. And so we are all over the place with stress and inundated information and technology that's coming our way. And we have a pace and a stress and we have things going on in our life now. And all COVID and the pandemic did was come home and reveal that. And I believe that those things have been going on they have been growing and the pandemic is simply exposing the roots of a lot of what is there. 
And with that dovetailing with a lot of mental health conversation going on, I think that it's a perfect storm. And what it's creating is just that. It's creating a gigantic need for counselors and a gigantic need for discussions, much like what we're doing today. So I just want to say once again, thank you for having the discussion about this and bringing people in to, to raise awareness of it. But make no bones about it. We have struggled since the beginning of time. and But I think that there are things we can do that we can help unlock parts of our identity and help us to flourish. And that's what I really enjoy doing as a counselor with people. I'm glad you mentioned stress um, because as as you mentioned, you know, I I referenced in that prior conversation of how I went through the Surgeon General's report with episode one or part one, part one, I should say, of this mental health mini series. And this is, you know, now part two, part one was uh, teenage mental health or even dipping down a little bit younger than teenage, so we could say childhood um, mental health. And now we're focusing on on adult. But with stress, I took a peek at the CDC because the CDC has a lot of guidelines um, and a lot of tools also on their website. And the CDC has a coping with stress uh, page. And I'm going to list off real quick. And I did this leading up to the interview here, but I'm just going to list them off for you. So here are the bullet points of coping with stress per the, per the CDC. Take breaks from watching, reading, or listening to news stories. Take care of your body, so like mind and physical. Make time to unwind, connect with others, and then connect with your community or faith-based organization. And as I was reading through those, I couldn't help but notice like at some point during the pandemic, based on, especially based on where you live, or maybe more so based on where you live, all of those things were either hampered or completely taken away at some point during the pandemic. So what did, so what did that leave people with in order to cope with that stress? Um, I guess that's my question. Like what are some other ways, like in those instances, if you're, you know, if you can't attend your church because of like social distancing and other requirements, if you can't connect with others because work is cl- uh, shut down. If you can't unwind because places you would go to unwind are shut down or care for your body or <laughs> take break from watching the news while everything we're consuming, trying to learn about the pandemic is in the news. So um, Dave, I'm just curious of what are maybe some other coping mechanisms for stress for adults um, that you could share with the listeners? Uh, that's interesting. Um, so it, yeah, it kind of names just about everything there. And and as you said, it takes away just about everything that, that it, it mentions. One of the things that I did personally is um, I continued to be a, I was a runner and I continued to run. Uh, we ran with people. We just kept a distance from one another and we still continue to have our community. But um, I, I remember the time when the playgrounds were roped off. They were, they had like yellow tape around them and uh, you couldn't even go on play. Everything was shut down. I, you know, it, it speaks to time with uh, yourself. You're going to have to, in, in a moment like that, you're going to have to learn to be able to deal with the man or the woman in the mirror. And uh, that's where we're beginning to start seeing some problems come out because I've heard it said that people would rather receive a toxic electric shock than have to be alone with their thoughts. And so it, it creates a difficulty. Um, I think that uh, we can move. Uh, we can uh, get our heart rate up. We can listen to podcasts. We can watch church virtually. 
the church I attend, the church at the Springs did uh, church at the drive-in and they did some of those things. But um, as it is now, we have all those things back, most of them, but there are some listeners across the country that maybe still have some lockdown type things. I think you got to create some new opportunities to get, to get moving, get your heart rate up to find new things to do. But um, at the same time, it's uh, an information overload once again, because we'll just tend to go to our default on our phones and our devices, and that, that cannot always be the source of great things. So uh, we can get some ancient wisdom, open the Bible and read through there a little bit and pick up the phone and call people. There's, those are some ways of, of bridging the gap. We do have, um, I know as a counselor, I continued to counsel all the way through the pandemic, and it was just virtual. Um, I was on Zoom calls or phone calls or uh, FaceTimes. So uh, even though it's a screen, it's definitely not the face-to-face. However, we continued to sup- supplement that. And uh, people got creative. I-, I noticed the families would create game time together and stuff like that. But but at the same time, as we were mentioning earlier, um, if there were cracks, the cracks got bigger because of that. And the stress got worse. And therefore, you can begin to start seeing some uh, epidemic overwhelm, if you will. It, again, it further revealed what was already there. The cracks were there. They got bigger. And uh, yet at the same time, there's also something that we don't talk very much about, and that is that it created a sense of grief within us. And there's something good about grief. Even Charlie Brown says good grief. But grief can be good in the sense that it can strip away the barnacles of our life. And barnacles are things that grow on us that are unnecessary. They're overgrowth. And this has definitely pruned back a lot of things that are not needing to be there, which can produce new growth. Uh, Some people would say that's discipline. Some people say that's pruning. And it's not fun in the time, but it can create good things if we'll let it. But we don't like to feel pain and we don't like to have those kinds of things happen. So Uh, But if we can let it, this could be a time that we can get rid of things that are extra things in our life that aren't necessary. Now, I'm not talking about people losing their job and stuff. That's not the necessary ending. I'm talking about maybe uh, we get focused on the things that matter versus things that don't. And so this could be a type of grief that burns away those types of things that can help us to flourish as we continue to produce through this, if we will let it. So like I mentioned, this is part two of the mental health series. Part one was teenage childhood <clears throat> um, mental health. So I'm going to try to tie the two together with a theory of my own. And it's probably someone else's theory, but I didn't take the time to look it up. So I'm going to call this my own. So, <laughs> um, so I have this theory. Uh, adults relating to children under the umbrella of mental health. So since this episode is about mental health of adults, I have this theory that the, I don't want to say that the status or the level, we'll say the condition, I guess, the condition of the adult's mental health impacts good or bad, the mental health of their child or children. Um, I guess my one couple of questions then based off of that for you, Dave, would be, one, is that true? <laughs> is there any science behind that? Uh, two, if it is, and if it or if it isn't, if it is true, then you know what should or what can parents do or guardians do in order to limit the impact on the kids? Um, and then three, if that if that isn't true, like if there's some scientific data out there that says that's not true, and I'm just completely 
wrong and off base. Um, why, why is that? Are kids just that resilient? Or I don't know if you could maybe dive into that is really open-ended for you there. But I just have this theory that the mental health of the adult is going to impact in some way, positive or negatively, the impact of their child or children. So let's talk about that. I'm holding in my hand a cup of coffee and it's actually got water in there. But um, in this cup is, is, is water and a parent has, much like a cup, they have something that their children need and they have water in their cup. If a parent doesn't have anything in their cup, they cannot provide what they need for their children. So in simple, simple terms, parents must provide for their children basic needs like physiological, safety, um, clothing, shelter, and then food. But then above that, love and nourishment. If a parent lacks those abilities to provide that for their kids, the kids will not get what they need, which brings me back to when I was teaching. I would have students show up on a 30 degree day with shorts on. They didn't have the clothes and their pair or they didn't have caregivers that were taking care of them. And so they were lacking some basic needs, but there was also other areas of deficiency at home and the children therefore were not functioning what I consider to be at optimal efficiency for them. They were deficient in certain areas. And you can even Google Maslow's hierarchy of needs because um, it simply states that there's a pyramid of needs that you start at the bottom and you move up toward the top, which is their basic foundational needs that we need as children to function normally in our home. If you have a parent or a caregiver that does not have the capacity to provide those needs, the child will suffer, much like if a flower doesn't get the water it needs or the cup is empty. You can't pour from an empty cup. So I believe as parents, the number one thing that parents can do for kids to be healthy is have a happy marriage, have a strong, healthy marriage. And if you can't, you're a single parent, then you can have a level of well, wellness within yourself as you parent your kids. And that will, in fact, I believe, trickle down into what you can provide as far as um, resiliency, safety, emotional investment in your kids. Kids are like little flowers. They just need water. They need sunlight. And they, need you, they have unique needs, back to that unique identity that God has put within us. And as parents, as we train them up in the way they should go when they're old, they won't depart from it, identifying what their needs are is recognizing what our children need. Well, if we are parents and we are so stressed and burned out, we can't even pay attention to our children, we not only will not be meeting their needs, we could actually be uh, overwatering or underwatering, which can lead to disease. So it's imperative that parents take care of themselves or caregivers or aunts or uncles or grandparents that watch over these kids because kids do have a great amount of needs. The kids don't know they have these needs. We These manifest much later in life in uh, there's a lot of different topics of things with children that, that have difficulties growing up. However, uh, at the basic foundation, they need safety. They need to know that they're loved and cherished, and they need, a, they need to know that they've got some of those basic things like hunger and, and thirst met. But if mom and dad are absolutely incapable or they are um, either out of control emotionally or they could have severe depression, they could have anxieties, these things can directly impact the kids uh, because they're simply unable, incapable of, of giving what they need to the kids. Now, that doesn't mean that if your listeners on here that have anxiety, it doesn't mean they're bad moms and dads. That's not the morality of this. It just simply means all the more reason for them to 
educate themselves on anxiety, to take steps forward in gaining strategies. We have more help available today than at any other time in history. So you can go online, you can call a counselor, you can talk to pastors and churches because there's beginning to be more talks about our internal health as much as our external health in the world today. So all the more reason for parents to begin to do things to be well on the inside. So um, kids are growing up with phones in their hands and devices and their access to information. And it is creating an epidemic, which is uh, kids are becoming inundated with information. I like to call them five-year-olds with chainsaws. It's dangerous. And we need some parental guidance as far as that goes. And so as parents, we want to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves, investing in our homes, investing in our marriages, investing in our families. And the kids are the byproduct of that. I believe with certainty that kids will know if mom and dad are happy or not. And they will do whatever it takes to make mom or dad happy. Kids will, will they're, they're very, very, very involved in that. And so they will feel the stress of a stressful home. And it can lead to physiological breakdown. In fact, one of the things I spend a lot of time talking to my clients about is something called complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which is prolonged stress and trauma from childhood, which leads to perfectionistic striving, um, super inner critic, external critic. There's a lot of different things in there. But what it does is it causes us in our adult life to not function well. These are things that can be healed. They can be helped and they can be helped. We can help them make them whole. But yes. Parents' health does directly impact their children's health, both physically, emotionally, spiritually. And it's very, very important that we be about being vigilant and investing in that. Some of the things you had mentioned, and I'll answer a question before you ask it, are what are some things that families can do that can, in, that can boost their health before maybe they reach a, a, a critical place? One of the things is... Uh, I think people should call a counselor and or a coach, even if things are going good. Statistics say that people will struggle in a marriage for six years before they call a counselor. I think that we have too many options available. So call a counselor even when it's good and enhance your relationship. But I think it goes back to some of the recommendations for, for dealing with stress. One of the things I've learned, if families will connect and have some koinonia or fellowship, community. Families that have community, they, they do one another, they do that well with a group of people that they love and they care for, it increases the likelihood of them doing well together by 40%. 40%. So where do I get that statistic from? Well, this, is, this statistic is derived from uh, a research study that, that asks how people change. And one of the things that we found is people will change if they have a supportive community. 40% of change is involved with having a supportive community, meaning that these are not toxic people giving you advice. These are wise people in your, your circle that are able to walk with you through a situation. The other 30% is whether or not you have somebody that you have leading you and they're caring for you. So there is a tremendous amount of, of, of help that is there. And I would encourage folks to get into a community, get, get around fellowship, have some koinonia, Another thing is uh, get moving, having a lifestyle of movement. And that means get out and get your hands dirty, get in the garden, um, take a walk. You don't necessarily have to join a gym or be part of a running club, but just have a lifestyle of movement. Take the stairs, take a bike ride, being outdoors. Those types of things do lead to excellent health. And then finally, um, 
I think it's really important to do hard things. We have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And what that means is for some people that might be reading. For some people that might be um, spending some time learning to, to, to be quiet, to be still. It, it might even be something like, um, you know, signing up for something difficult just because it's difficult. When we do that, we stress our resiliency and we stretch our resiliency. We then are able to do harder things. The more ease and comfort we have, the worse it is for us. Um, the old saying is that sitting is the new smoking. And we don't want to be sitting all the time. Another thing that is being said is that it's better to eat donuts with friends than to have broccoli alone. So I think we got to get together. We got to hang out with people. We got to do life with one another as much as we can, even if it's picking up the phone or doing FaceTime. We got to move and we got to do hard things. We got to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And if we can begin to do some of those things, we can we can in, 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 instill and install some, some resiliency and some stress abilities to handle things around us. If we don't, at the first sign of stress, we will topple over like a giant oak tree here in, in, in Florida. So we have a lot of lives that are toppled over due to the pandemic and due to stresses. One of the reasons is because our roots are pretty shallow. Don't steal my, don't steal my next question. I'll let uh, you okay. steal one, but don't steal my second, my next one. <laughs> uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's taken me back to, uh, I think my second year of college. One of those, uh, prerequisites or gen eds, I think that's what they were called. Um, and then talking about the sense of community, um, at my church, the church I attend here in Orlando, which is discovery church, uh, the pastor there, which maybe one day he'll come onto this podcast. I haven't asked him yet, but fingers crossed. Uh, he talks about BGPs, he abbreviates it BGPs or big godly people. Um, when it comes to seeking wisdom about decisions, you know, coming up in your, in your life, you know, how to how to respond in certain situations or maybe what the next steps should be in response to a situation. Um, so I just wanted to, to throw that in there. Um, he refers to them as, as big godly people, people who are rooted in the word, who probably who should know more, maybe you could say about um, the word of God than you do to provide that, that wisdom and that counsel. But my question, because you were about to get to it and I had to jump in, is Dave, I have one more question for you before we wrap up the interview. And that is going back to our initial discussion about, you said something to me that I think is going to stick with me. I'm going to remember it, remember it for the rest of my life. And that is that in today's world, the way we consume information and like our attention spans and everything else, that we have shallow roots. And I think you can make the argument if you, that the younger the, the younger the child is, the person is, the shallower the root because they're closer, they're part of the generation who's coming up like in this environment compared to someone who's, you know, a baby boomer or something like that. But you said to me that our roots, like we have shallow roots and as things come at us in life, it's like gusts of wind. And as we take on more and more and more wind, eventually the tree is going to topple over and the tree is going to topple over the eat more easily, the more shallow the roots are. So could you just elaborate on that a little bit and go into a little more detail? Yeah. So a lot of, there's a lot of field work now being done in the neuropsychological realm. Our brain health studies from 
Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Siegel. There's plenty of people that we can research, but we're able to know what the brain is doing far more now than at ever any time in history. And what we're beginning to see is the, the ramifications of our electronic, cons, 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 what is the word, um, what, we're, what we're consuming in electronics via social media, video games, etc. And what's happening is the amount of information inundation that's happening is literally creating like shallower roots in our brain where we're lacking more capacity to handle hard things. It's creating an overall lack of resiliency in our youth. But I would also argue that it's creating shorter root systems in adults because we're consuming just as much technology, if you will. I just, it's just my opinion that we were not designed to have the amount of information that's coming our way and our bodies are keeping the score of that. The roots becoming shallow means that we can, as we swipe, we're just continually feeding it, the, the dopamine cycle, the, the, the hits. And what's happening is our brain is lacking the capacity to think longer. We're noticing an uptick in ADHD. We're noticing um, that our, our ability to focus long term is, is shortening. This is becoming a problem. And I believe what we've got to do is be aware. We, the Bible teaches us in the book of Psalms, chapter 1, Blessed is the man who does not sit in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked or the scornful. And what that talks about is um, getting, I think, getting a lot of ideas, in my opinion, from ungodly sources. Uh, we want to get those people that your pastor referenced in our life that are able to point us to truth. And as we focus more and more on ideas that are just opinions or different things, it's not healthy for us. But what it encourages us to do later is to... Uh, but the person who, a godly man or a godly woman, meditates on the law day and night. What that is simply saying is read the Bible and think about it. Read the Bible and think about it. That deepens our roots. And what the Bible then goes on to say is that you'll be like a tree planted by the streams of water. That essentially you will flourish. Picture, there's a little bit of the uh, shade tree name. A tree flourishing with deep roots. The roots are deepened into the things of the truth of God. What that, what that means is that we're actually reading, learning, and abiding and remaining. And then what will happen is fruit will pop out on that tree and God gets glory. So that's a pretty cool thing that happens. Shallow roots, we, we blow over. It happens when we have to face something difficult and all of a sudden we're on our side. I believe COVID blew us over in a massive way as a society because of shallow roots. And I think if we're not careful and we don't limit some of the overexposure to the technological advances, uh, we will continue to be shallow rooted people and we can become blown by the like chaff, which is hold your hand out and put like dust in your hand if you blow it. It's just like that's where our, our resiliency will be and that's where our minds will be. And that's where we, and we're finding that now the opinions and thoughts of people are absolutely steered quickly and easily with very little resistance, like chaff being blown. And so it's concerning to me that we're going to lose our ability to have really deep thoughts. And so my challenge for myself and for others is to read the Bible, think about it, and think and allow our roots to go deeper. And in that, we can be resilient people that produce fruit. And I believe our character will be shaped by that and that we will flourish and give God great glory in there. Awesome, Dave. Thank you. 
So to wrap up this interview, which has been a phenomenal interview, by the way, um, you've been a tremendous guest and love to have you on again in the future, which will be by video that time. If you agree to come on, you know, uh, makeup artist and everything. Um, but to wrap up the, but to wrap up the, <clears throat> to wrap up the interview, can you please just tell me and the listeners uh, what is next for you and Shade Tree Christian Counseling over the next few months, and then um, also how people can connect with you, whether that be through uh, the Shade Tree website or an email or through Instagram. If you could just share. So uh, thank you for having me on. This has been an absolute pleasure, and it's just an awesome opportunity to talk about these things. So people can connect with me. I'm a little bit like Bob Goff, who's one of my favorite authors. I have my my phone number is 352-361-8169. People can text me directly. They can call me. I will not give them counseling advice, but they can connect with me that way. I can point them to resources. Um, I can answer questions, or I can schedule them for counseling. I have a, a person that counsels with me, so we have a, we're developing a team. And if people are interested in becoming a counselor and it's something they want to talk more about, I'd be interested to talk to them, appoint them to places, because we need people to become counselors. Um, they can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm on there as Dave Scott, and we're working on the website and getting all that stuff up and going. But uh, also I'm interested if people want to have more conversations about this, if pastors want someone to talk at church or uh, business leaders want someone to talk to about these types of things. I really am humbled to have the opportunity to talk about it, and I love to engage in these kinds of things. What I'm what I'm praying for in the in the new year, and being this is right right as we're crossing the finish line, is I'm just praying for more opportunities to have these kinds of discussions about how we as people can grow our roots deeper and how we can continue to to flourish as people. And I think that there's there's so much great content out there. So I want to thank you, Brian, once again for answering the call to do this and to engage in these conversations, counter thoughts. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't believe how long it took me to come up with uh, the title of <clears throat> of Counterthought and which ones I had come up with originally that weren't available. Um, <laughs> but I've gotten good feedback on it. So, Dave, once again, thank you very much for taking the time to join me um, on part two of the mental health series. I'm going to put your um, Instagram handle. I can put other information in the show notes so people who um, didn't catch all of that listening can just go to the show notes and gather all of that information as well. Dave, thank you again for, for joining me and it'll be my pleasure to have you on again in the future. Maybe we can do a, a follow-up or a second mini series on mental health and bring you on once more. Thank you very, very much. I'm honored. Appreciate it. Man, that was a great interview. I hope all of you listening enjoyed that interview just as much as I did. And Dave gave us a lot of great takeaways from that interview, right? He talked about additional coping mechanisms that we can use to deal with stress. He talked about how as a society, our roots are shallow. And that means that they are not as strong when these winds come and hit us in our life. And eventually it could topple over our tree. It could topple us and knock us down to the ground. And then tying in part two, this episode with part one, Dave talked about how the mental health of the adult, of the caregiver of a child impacts the mental health of those children, how we as adults need to have our cup filled so that we can care for our children, not only their physiological needs and their safety needs, but our environment or the environment we create in the household through our own 
stresses as an adult our in, impacts the way we interact with the child, which in turn impacts the way the child interacts with us and the way they interact with others. And even if we don't realize that something we are doing is impacting our child, the child may end up developing something or find a way to cope with whatever it is that is that is negatively impacting them. And on the flip side, if we make sure as adults that we are in um, a good state, then that equips us to help make sure that our children are in a good state. And that's why I wanted to have part one and part two in the, form, in the order that they were. I wanted to start with the child and then move to the adult. Because as you heard in that conversation with Dave, that interview, that they go hand in hand. And it reminds me of something my mom always told me. So mom, if you are listening to this episode, what you do and don't do affects other people. And that applied here to mental health of an adult. What you do as an adult and what you don't do is going to affect not only yourself, but also your child or your children. And as Dave said at the end of the interview, if you have any interest in counseling, please reach out to him. If you have any need for counseling, please reach out to him. If you have any questions about anything that was discussed during this episode, please reach out to him. And I'm going to put all of his contact information in the show notes so you will have a way to find him, whether it is by the phone that he gave or the website or Instagram, please, if you need anything from Dave, reach out to him. All right, so to wrap up this episode, we're going to look forward to next week's episode. It's going to come out a little bit earlier. I'm going to shoot for a Wednesday release instead of a Friday release, but it'll be episode 32, which is a positive mindset. And our guest for that episode is Mallory Garshnik. It is a phenomenal interview with her as we close out this three-part mental health mini-series within the Counterthought podcast. Thank you very much for listening to Counterthought. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and engage with us on Instagram at counter underscore thought, on Twitter at counter underscore podcast, on the Counterthought podcast page on Facebook, and on our website. Thank you for listening to Counterthought.